Hello and welcome to a special self-isolation edition of Order Order, Mail Plus Radio's politics podcast with me, Simon Walters, Assistant Editor of the Daily Mail. And me, Amanda Platell, columnist for the Daily Mail. Coming up, Rishi Sunak's deputy defends the government's mind-blowing £350 billion coronavirus rescue package. A massive package, you know, £330 billion in loans, but also then further measures in terms of grants and tax uh, as well, uh, and a commitment from the Chancellor to do whatever it takes. Boris Johnson has said coronavirus is like a wartime crisis. So which politicians are having a good coronavirus war and who's having a bad one? We report from the front line. This is an enormous challenge for this country. But I think the people of this country understand what they need to do to beat it. And they also, I think, understand that we will beat it and that we will beat it together. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google and Spotify, or leave us a review and you can email us anytime at orderorder at mailplus.co.uk. If you have any questions about coronavirus, please do email us at coronaquestions at mailplus.co.uk. This week has seen not one, but two major changes in the government's strategy for dealing with coronavirus. Or as sceptics might say, not one, but two U-turns. The first was to order a Chinese-style lockdown after Boris Johnson was warned that 260,000 Britons could die unless he changed tack. Meanwhile, this was the response globally as hashtag panic buying and hashtag toilet paper apocalypse trended on Twitter. I just want one pack. No, not one pack. And then on Tuesday, Chancellor Rishi Sunak announced a £350 billion coronavirus bailout for the economy, more than 10 times the scale of his budget just one week ago. As someone once said, a billion here and a billion there. Soon you're talking real money. This struggle will not be overcome by a single package of measures or isolated interventions. It will be won through a collective national effort. Every one of us doing all we can to protect family, neighbours, friends, jobs. This national effort will be underpinned by government interventions in the economy on a scale unimaginable only a few weeks ago. This is not a time for ideology and orthodoxy. This is a time to be bold. A time for courage. I want to reassure every British citizen this government will give you all the tools you need to get through this. We will support jobs, we will support incomes, we will support businesses and we will help you protect your loved ones. We will do whatever it takes. Well, a week's been a long time in in this particular political um, event, hasn't it, Amanda? I mean, here we are uh, for the first time, not quite so much in in self-isolation, but certainly both of us working from home in this podcast. And uh, one suspects that uh, millions of people like us are going to have to get used to these working conditions from now on. But what a week it's been. I mean, there have been two extraordinary changes. Um, The first, a complete reversal in the government's health strategy from initially trying to mitigate it 
and squash the sombrero, as Boris said. Now, a dramatic change after the, the boffins warned of a quarter of a million people dying. Now we have a lockdown. And similarly, the Chancellor um, has announced this £350 billion coronavirus rescue package. Um, never did we think uh, this time last week, Amanda, that things would change so quickly, did we? Simon, never at this time last week did I think I would not be looking across at your sparkling blue eyes. Well, there have, Instead, been, some, there have been some good things from it then. <laughs> Instead, I've got to tell you, I'm sitting in my study upstairs. I'm in lockdown. I've got this picture of you and me in our little studio where we normally are with me strangling you. It's my favourite picture. That is my cat coughing in the background who's also self-isolating. I've got a Tesco shop up. Um, that tells me I can't even get a delivery until April the 4th. So it feels incredibly different. You know, mm. it's sort of suddenly come home to us all, hasn't it? Mm. Well, I, I can imagine you rushing around the uh, and the aisles at Tesco, <laughs> gra grabbing every last bottle of Moe, package of quinoa, and those fresh kumquats. Did they come through? <laughs> Can I tell you, I got into a terrible row. I wrote in my column a couple of weeks ago that I'd stockpiled two nine-packs of Andrex toilet paper. And the hate mail I've got from that and people in the supermarket telling me, you know, put it back. But when I was in Marks on, um, during the week and I was in a queue of about 10 people and um, we were all, you know, it was really, really slow. The supermarket was packed. There was no loo roll. I'd forgotten Ted's food, ran back to get it, came back as they just delivered the latest loo roll, only four packs. I went and took it back into the aisle. Then everybody fled and said, where did you get that from? Where did you get that from? There was mass and it was gone in about two minutes. Crazy. Well, I'll, well, I'll, I'll know. I'll know who to call on if if I run out in the lobby. I'm giving to it say. to all my neighbours. But on a serious note, Simon, um, Co-op have announced that they've actually put panic buttons into all of their supermarkets now because um, they're frightened of, of a brawl like the one that that we showed that we had played earlier. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm particularly struck by this this change of strategy because. When this crisis started, Britain was alone in, in the strategy that we took, yeah. which seemed to be really about developing so-called herd immunity, which, which, which in effect meant that the majority of the population would be allowed to get the virus in the hope that we all became immune from it and that the fatalities could be controlled in the meantime. But that's all gone now because of this report from Professor uh, Neil Ferguson, who said it just wasn't working. The Who's also got coronavirus himself and is now self-isolated. And that they, they were really panicked into, into abandoning the old policy to now having this uh, Chinese-style lockdown. And uh, the, the chief scientist, Sir Patrick Valance, has said that he hopes that that can limit the, uh, the fatalities to, to fewer than 20,000, which I think would be relatively speaking, considered a successful outcome if we can get that. That's true, but there's there's also another side to all these announcements, which, you know, it's a huge amount of money, $350 billion to fight the virus. But this morning um, on Five Live, our rivals, um, there was a Swindon A&E doctor who just come off a 10-hour shift and he was distraught. He said they haven't got masks. They haven't got the correct protective clothing. Um, he said that the UK didn't see it coming. And he said that they feel like um, like the, the musicians playing on the Titanic as it goes down. And he said also the most chilling thing, he was really cross about, he said $350 billion for businesses. What about the NHS? We haven't got, even got the basic facilities. And he said that what the government doesn't realise is that doctors like him 
who are in contact with people all the time without proper equipment will be the future super spreaders. I mean, that's pretty chilling. As Brexit Secretary under Theresa May and Boris Johnson, Treasury Chief Secretary Steve Barclay is used to dealing with the impossible. But Brexit now looks like a walk in the park compared to trying to stop the nation being bankrupted by coronavirus. Steve Barclay explains how he can get through and how he's coping without one of the great loves in his life, watching England play rugby. It's about ensuring people can keep their jobs. We think that is the best uh, way uh, of approaching the challenge ahead, to support businesses in order for them to support their staff. And that's why we've taken this unprecedented step. Uh, it's in coordination also with measures we announced in the budget and we and that the Bank of England themselves have announced. So we're working with the Bank of England very closely. We're working across government at what specific sectors, such as the aviation industry, may need. Uh, but above all, we're saying businesses that were viable before coronavirus that will be very good and viable after coronavirus how do we help them bridge the cash flow challenge that they have in the weeks and months ahead uh, and that's therefore about having these loans uh, both for big businesses but also increasing what we announced in the budget at 1.2 million a loan up to 5 million pounds to help businesses smaller businesses through uh, the immediate challenge one of the criticisms that has been made although it is a huge amount of money some businessmen have, have said that loans is not actually what they need no matter how low the interest rate and what they really need they don't want to stack up more debt what they really need to help them keep uh, staff on the payroll is for the government to suspend tax income tax payments national insurance isn't that a more practical and direct way of keeping jobs going well it's about having targeted measures and uh, in the package yesterday there were some targeted measures in particular for the retail hospitality and leisure centre that have been acutely hit uh, by coronavirus. Uh, so, for example, waiving business rates uh, for 12 months, uh, having some targeted grants, uh, for example, £10,000 to the 700,000 smallest uh, businesses increased from the 3000 that we announced just a week ago, but also a grant of up to £25,000 as well uh, to other businesses that are affected by this. Uh, and then help for individuals as well. So one of the things we announced yesterday was a mortgage break. So people can have a, a three-month break in their mortgage. So, so the main thrust of it is, is how do we support businesses and, and ensure we keep people in their jobs and, and recognise that these were successful, viable businesses before coronavirus and will be in the future. But also then some targeted measures, both at individuals, but more widely at the public sector and supporting our NHS and others. And one of the other points that's been made, you, you have offered this, this mortgage relief. What are you going to do about people, people renting? Because there's now almost as many people renting as, as people who own their own properties. What kind of help are you going to offer them? Well, it's a fair point. I'm, I very much hear you on that. It's something we've been looking at very closely because for many people, actually, their rent is probably their biggest fixed cost. Uh, and again, I come back to the starting point, which is the best way to help them with their rent is to ensure they keep their job. Uh, but you're right, there is an issue in terms of rent and the, the Housing Secretary will uh, very shortly make further announcements on that. So don't want to preempt his announcement, but we are alive to that issue uh, and it is something that the Housing Secretary will address. It is a truly extraordinary state of affairs we're in. And of course, this £350 billion is the kind of sum that the Conservatives were warning that the, 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 the Labour government was going to spend if it won the election. And now here we are with this crisis and the Conservative government is having to do it. 
isn't there going to be one hell of a day of reckoning when these bills have to be paid in the years to come with 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 enormous tax rises you're right these are unprecedented times it's an unprecedented challenge but these are viable businesses these are good businesses where the issue has been the impact of coronavirus not that there's a fundamental problem with the businesses themselves so we think they will bounce back extremely quickly the question is how do we bridge the gap uh, as we deal with this national challenge and international challenge and, and that's really what the measures are about but these businesses will succeed in the future we just need to support them in the interim emmanuel macron in france has given a promise that no single business of any size will go out of business as a result of the crisis in france can you give a similar commitment to british businesses steve well, you saw, I think, the commitment from the government by, you know, what you opened this interview by saying was a, a massive package, you know, £330 billion pounds in loans, but also then further measures in terms of grants and tax uh, as well, uh, and a commitment from the Chancellor to do whatever it takes. You're, you're a family man, Steve. Have, have any of your uh, family or wider circle of friends been affected by coronavirus yet? And are you having to put off Mother's Day trips and Sunday <laughs> lunches or contacts with grandparents? Uh, well, uh, no one, no one within the family has had uh, symptoms as yet. But I think all of us, uh, as, as I'm sure you are as well, Simon, we're all affected. And, and you're a well-known rugby nut, Steve. How, <laughs> how are you getting on now that the Six Nations um, rugby uh, internationals have been cancelled? What are you doing instead? <laughs> well, you're absolutely right. The, uh, the missing, missing the rugby highlights. Uh, it, it's a small issue, obviously, compared to the serious challenges we face. But uh, the Six Nations and uh, and watching the rugby is usually uh, one of the, as you know, is one of the, sort of the big passions in my life. And um, I think the sooner we can get through these challenges uh, and get back to uh, uh, the sporting fix. Uh, back to those things uh, will be welcome, I think, by you and I both. Well, Steve Barkley is not the only one um, who's suffering rugby international withdrawal symptoms. Amanda, uh, I'm a bit of a rugby nut. I went to the England-France match in Paris, um, saw England um, beat Wales in a, in a memorable match, and now the season's been stopped. So I, I feel just as gutted as he did. But I, I, I imagine you're using this time to do a bit more crocheting. <laughs> Simon, I do not crochet. I can't do anything like that. I can darn. But what I'm gutted about is the fact that, you know, I'm a huge Spurs fan. I've got a series of tickets for the upcoming games, the home games. And, of course, I'm not going to be able to go. And But the, the great thing about it, I mean, I don't want to make light of all this in any way, but um, given Spurs' performance as we slip down towards the relegation zone, uh, maybe by the time they start playing football again, Harry Kane will be fit. <laughs> I see that the... Um TV soaps uh, are stopping. I mean, I'm not I'm not a great watcher of Coronation Street, but I do like I do like Belgravia, Julian Fellows. Um, the oh, no, that's okay. That... I hope they're not stopping that. No, 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 that, that's okay. They've, that's all been recorded. But the BBC announced today that they're halting the the production of all drama. So that's everything from EastEnders um, through to all the other regular dramas they do, and and that's quite a big thing. I mean. You'd never have thought that the Queen Vic would close down. I mean, that's the only pub that is going to be closing down in this virus. Mm, mm. I mean, I've, I've never understood why, why um, after Kylie Minogue left Neighbours, they didn't find you a partner, man. I mean, you're a glamorous <laughs> Australian. <laughs> I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted. I tried for years, but they just wouldn't have me. That's why I left, that's why I left Australia. Heartbroken. <laughs> Boris Johnson used a lot of military language in Downing Street to describe the virus, saying he was taking steps unprecedented since World War II. 
But which politicians are having a good war, as they say, in the time of coronavirus? And how is Boris himself holding up? Well, Amanda, what's your score sheet here? Let, let's start with Boris, first of all. I mean, he, he's, he's not one ever to miss an opportunity to channel his inner Churchill. He's doing OK, but I think there's a question mark here and there. What do you think? Well, I, a lot of people that I, um, that I know say they feel very reassured when they see Boris. Um, and he has, as you say, looked very Churchillian, um, very authoritative. But he's always he's, he's turned into a bit of a Donald Trump. He's always got these wingmen. You know, mm. if it's not the chief medical advisor or the chief other advisor, it's uh, it's Rishi or it's it's the health secretary. And he seems to flounder on the detail. But he was never a very detailed man. I think the jury's out on him. And it'll, his whole survival, as you wrote this week, Simon, will totally depend upon how many people die. Well, then there's the chance to Rishi Sunak. I mean, there's no question he's having an excellent coronavirus war. I mean, one commentator I noticed um, said that when he appeared with Boris Johnson in Downing Street, that it was Rishi Sunak, um, despite his um, uh, relatively small stature, uh, physically uh, was the one that looked like the grown up in the room. And he does, doesn't he? He really does. Um, but he is very short and he, he must be extremely short because... Boris is only the same height as Angela Merkel. I mean, he's a real shorty. But you notice when they do the clips of them walking up the stairs in um, Downing Street um, to the actual um, lecterns, Boris is always in the front, so it makes poor old Rishi look even shorter. I'd get his press people sorting that out. One of the characters I think you've done extremely well is the former health secretary, Jeremy Hunt, the man who Boris yeah. defeated in the last round of the Tory leadership. Now, I think Hunt's done excellently. He was the first... Uh, senior politician really to say that the government had got their strategy wrong and Hunt is not one who's known for uh, making uh, controversial remarks but I think he's made the right call here and, and I think he's come out of it extremely well. He's really has been impressive and because as you say he's he's calm but when he says something you really listen there's no hyperbole about him um, but I think that if we had to if during this crisis uh, Hancock the the health secretary yeah he's he's got a fantastic bedside manner. He's calming, he's soothing, he's authoritative. I don't think we should be judging Boris's bedside manner, perhaps not. And, and do you think Matt Hancock, who, who's, who's forever wearing that NHS badge on his jacket, do you think, do you think he has that pinned to his pyjamas as well? <laughs> the other one I think has done well, slightly less well-known, Robert Jenrick, a rising star in the Cabinet. He's the guy that's come up with this inspired idea of allowing pubs, which effectively have got to close down now, uh, but to avoid that, of um, of operating as takeaway as takeaway places for food. I think it's a brilliant idea, and we need that kind of imaginative idea to get us through this. I've got to tell you, when it comes to pubs, I'm confused. I've got two local pubs I go to all the time. I can't imagine, say, if I was wandering up the holly bush with my mates where we go in the evenings, I can't imagine that, that uh, when I first heard that, I thought, well, maybe they're giving us you know, a bottle of wine out the door as well. And mm. we just stand there in the street and drink it. You know, the, <laughs> there's mixed messages on this. It, this is a good idea, but we've been told to stay away from pubs. Yeah, I, 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 I can imagine when, when every other person in the country stopped going to pubs, there'll be two people <laughs> left. It, it'll be you and, and Boris Johnson's dad, Stanley, propping up the bar. So that's something to look forward to for you, Amanda. I'll have a drink with um, Stanley anytime, and, and we will, I'll take a tape measure so we're six feet apart. 
I think uh, talking about people who've had a bad war, if we can just extend our, our little review to across the Atlantic, I don't think Donald Trump's having a very good coronavirus war. I mean, this is the guy who dismissed this as a huge hoax, who used it for crude political attacks on the Democrats. Uh, admittedly, now he is actually pulling his finger out and doing something. But uh, it, it, it gave me to think that uh, when you think of how America and China have reacted to this, Trump's called it a sort of a, a Chinese virus. Well, it may have come from China, but I'm absolutely sure that if I wanted one uh, country to solve this problem here, I'd be looking to China to help us out before I look to Donald Trump's America. You know, you're right, because Trump started off as a coronavirus denier. Um, and then, and then, you know, when he first cut the interest rates and he said, look what I've done, I've saved the economy, maybe I should do that five times a day. I mean, he just, he is ridiculous. He does make, I mean, he does make uh, Boris look very, very authoritative. That's not saying much. So, Simon, we're on to your topical tune, and I know what it is. And may I just say that, given we are now millions of miles away from each other, I hope the sentiment's true for me too. Well, it is. It's it's Dame Vera Lynn's We'll Meet Again. And uh, Dame Vera talked this week of how uh, we're going to need the, the wartime spirit um, to get through coronavirus, just as she helped us get through the Second World War. And she said this week, Dame Vera, who is now 103 years old, as the war showed, we're stronger than we think. However desperate we are, we can still be kind. We can still laugh. And Amanda, I don't want you to take this too literally. We can still <laughs> sing. <laughs> again don't know where don't know when but i know we'll meet again some sunny day keep smiling through just like you always well, Amanda, and I hope that when this crisis is over and when we're no longer recording this from miles apart in our separate homes, that we too can meet again. But that's all we've got time for this week. Don't forget, you'll be able to listen back to this and all our other Mail Plus radio podcasts at mailplus.co.uk or via Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Yes, Simon, I, I do fear that it's going to be quite a long time before we meet again. But, hey, we've got WhatsApp, so we'll keep doing the podcast and you can join us again next week um, for more political mischief. See you then. But for now, that's all from me, Simon Walters. And from me, Amanda Platel. Good Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>